Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you um, and welcome as we continue to worship this morning on Palm Sunday as we uh, begin uh, Easter week and looking at uh, the last week of our Lord Jesus um, leading up to Resurrection Sunday, which is next Sunday. Uh, if you've been with us for a few weeks uh, or a few months, you know we've been in the book of Deuteronomy. We uh, are taking a few weeks off from Deuteronomy uh, to look at uh, some text from the Gospels uh, this week and next week uh, in order to celebrate um, the last week of our Lord and the implications that means for us. So if you do have a Bible, I encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, and uh, we'll also be looking um, in Luke, chapter 13, and chapter 4 as well. Uh, Let me pray as you uh, turn to Mark 11. Father God, we do thank you this morning uh, that you are a good and holy God. Uh, that you are gracious and merciful, and that you have been uh, overwhelmingly loving and patient with your people throughout generations. And God, as we celebrate your faithfulness to us, God, I pray that this morning we would see um, the story of redemption played out um, through history and how that applies to our lives today. Uh, God, the work uh, of your son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life on our behalf, who died a death as our substitute, Uh, and has risen again from the grave, proclaiming his lordship over everything. And um, God, I pray that that would stir us to repentance of sin, stir us to belief in the person and work of Christ, and and spur us on to good works for your glory and our joy. And we ask this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks, if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying this colt? And they said to them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And then he had looked around at everything, and it was already late. He went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is God's word. Friends, Jesus is God speaking and acting and dwelling with us. And this is good news. I want to ask you this morning to think, what expectations do you have of Jesus I mean, we, we look at the last week of Jesus' life as we were approaching Easter and, and we are gathered here together worshiping him. I, I want to ask, what expectations do you have of Jesus? Oftentimes we think, well, if I uh, believe in Jesus and follow Jesus, things are going to go great for me. Or maybe if I believe in Jesus, I will uh, have more security or more companionship. Or maybe if I follow Jesus, I'll experience more joy and less pain, less suffering. Maybe if I follow Jesus, I'll be rid of this uh, hard struggle or hurt from my past. And those are all good intentions. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes I think we don't expect enough 
of Jesus. I don't think we expect enough from him. In fact, I think the expectations we have of Jesus are actually pretty limited. I feel like we approach Jesus with a very myopic view of who he is and what he's done. And I think today's passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at in Mark 11 and also in Luke, we're going to see that that Jesus is, is doing amazing things well beyond our expectations. Not only our expectations, but when we look in the story today in Mark 11, we see that, that, the, that the people in Jerusalem had expectations of Jesus. But they were very good, but limited expectations. You see, in today's passage, we see that Jesus, who had had a, had a good ministry for a couple of years, right? he'd been teaching, he'd been doing miracles, and, and now it was a time of a Passover feast, and he is entering in Jerusalem, and you see that people have gathered, and many of them are singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. You see, that's a reference to Psalm 118 that was written many generations before Jesus. It was a a celebratory song to sing out, Hosanna. Hosanna means, save us, I pray. And blessed indicates great happiness and favor from God. So, So here you have people for generations have been expecting God to do this amazing thing, for God to be their king, to come and set them free. This is during the first century, Roman occupation, Roman oppression. God's people were being taxed and persecuted and abused. There was a corrupt religious system going on. And God's people were waiting for God to make good on his promises, to deliver them, to come and be their king for all eternity, to make things right. And they had this expectation of Jesus. So when Jesus comes riding in on this colt, they are saying, Save us, Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. But notice something with me. I think those are good expectations, right? I think all of us in hindsight would say it's, it's good to expect Jesus to be the king, right? We know that Jesus is our king. So for, for these folks to say, hey, Jesus is the coming king. Blessed be the kingdom of David. Uh, save us, God. That's a good thing, right? I think we would all agree it's good, but, but it's not all that's going on here. Because as the people say, save us, Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Look where Jesus goes. Verse 11. He entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. That's a very powerful statement to set the setting for us to set the context for us. You see, if Jesus was merely just a political figure, uh, a king, an earthly king, he could have just walked into the city and people could say, save us, Hosanna, here's the coming king. And that could have been the end of the story. But Mark, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this important statement that he entered the temple. You see, Jesus is more than just a king. He is also the eternal priest for his people. In fact, he is going into the temple, which is a drastically different context than what is going on in the city. You see, in the city, there's great celebration. Hosanna, here's our coming king. But in the temple, Jesus enters all alone. He walks into the temple, and it was late, and he was there alone. 
You see, to get the setting, to get the context of what Jesus is doing during his last week on earth, as we enter Holy Week now, looking forward to next Sunday at Easter, the Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate, and looking forward to Friday, Good Friday, when Jesus died, we see that Jesus was doing something more than just entering into a city proclaiming his kingship. He was going into the temple. To get this right, flip over to Luke 13, if you will, if you have a Bible, Luke 13, verses 33 or 35, or jot this down because I'd love for you to look at these passages later as you look. See, as God's people are anticipating God to intervene, as Jesus enters into the city, they are singing words that echo Psalm 118, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. But to see the context of this, we need to look at Psalm, I'm sorry, we need to look at Luke 13, verses 33 through 35, to see what else is going on in Jesus' life and ministry. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, here is Luke's account of a different time of of Jesus lamenting over the city who is who is far from God and in dire need of God's intervention and dire need of rescue. And Jesus is saying, "Hey, I, I I want to be that rescuer for you. I want to be the one that saves you. I want to be the one that that gathers you." This is a great imagery you may have heard before. Of I, I don't live on a farm. I've never lived on a farm. But I've seen Little House on the Prairie, so that counts for something. But the imagery you see here when Jesus is saying, how often I would have, I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, has this great imagery of, uh, it's been said, I've heard, that if there was ever a fire, like in a barnyard, you know, if there's this huge scorching blaze out in the field, the little chicks would run to the mama hen, and the mama hen would cover the little chicklets with her wings, so that the earth would be scorched and actually the hen herself would die. But it has been said and been recorded that after a fire, you could, a farmer could go out and see a scorched hen and pick up the hen and there would be live chicks underneath who were saved from the scorching, burning blaze as the mama hen would lay herself down to save her little children. And so here's the imagery that Jesus says as he's looking over Jerusalem, lamenting, saying the prophets have come, that God has come and used them to to proclaim this good news, and you kill them, and you stone them, and here I am, I'm Jesus, and I'm coming to say I will come and save you and rescue you if you would just gather underneath my wings. Verse 35, behold, your house is forsaken. He's saying, look, your, your house is forsaken. I mean, it's, it's almost to say God has, God has left you. I mean, there's, God is not here. You have forsaken your Father. I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So here we have 
two different passages of the, in the Gospels. You have Mark 11 with Jesus entering the city and the people saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then you have Luke 13 when Jesus is quoting that same psalm, looking over, lamenting over Jerusalem. I want us to see the connection here. You see, the people, when Jesus enters the city, are connecting blessedness with celebration of a political arrival of their king. They're saying, look, here's a king who's going to make all things right. And then in Luke 13, as Jesus laments the barrenness of the temple of God, he's saying, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So for us to understand the implications of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, you see the triumphal entry is him as king, Jesus is king, walking into the city. We also see Jesus walking in to the temple. We have to see one more nugget of backstory. Turn to Luke 4, verses 16 through 20. This takes place earlier on in Jesus' ministry. But it's important for us to see this backstory in order to see the implications of Jesus entering the city on Palm Sunday, entering the city as the king, entering the city and going to the temple as priest. Luke 4, verses 16. This takes place a long time before Palm Sunday but it gives us an understanding of what Jesus is up to. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all who spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? You see, again, we see even from Jesus' earliest ministry, people had not full expectations of who he is and what he was up to. But here Jesus is reading from the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before he was born. He is reading the writings of the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus, in reading and teaching from this, reveals who he is and what he's up to. We see that Jesus is God himself speaking. Jesus is God himself speaking acting. Jesus is God himself dwelling with his people. See, Jesus was not just a good moral teacher. Jesus was not just some political zealot. Jesus was not some mere moral religious man. There was so much more going on with Jesus. And so you today may be here and you may find yourselves like the crowds outside the gates of Jerusalem saying, Hosanna, blessed is the coming king, because you have one facet of Jesus pegged as, oh, he's just some political leader. Or maybe you're saying, well, I, I totally get that Jesus went into the temple. That's where his destination was. He entered the city in order to get to the temple because that's where religious things happen. But you've got to remember that Jesus went into an empty temple. Because the people were hardened and far from God. 
But earlier in his lament over Jerusalem said, You will see me, speaking as God, you will see me again when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, when Jesus enters the temple, God is in the temple. But there's more going on than that. You see, as Jesus, earlier in his ministry, read the scroll of Isaiah, was saying, Hey, look, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, God is making the promise to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's a big deal. That's like some Levitical awesome stuff. We'll get to that. And then Jesus says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is kind of a big deal, y'all. So I want us to unpack those three things about Jesus today, and I hope this helps you frame this holy week as you as we look forward to Good Friday this Friday. We will have a time to gather together to worship, to pray at our downtown location at the Doris Building. We hope you will come join us for that time of worship and prayer together as we celebrate the death of our Savior, and then we will gather back here Sunday for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday, to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So as we, as we enter in this week together, I want us to look at three, these three facets of our Lord Christ together. First, Jesus is God speaking. Jesus is not just a teacher. He is not just a religious man. He's not just a moral sage. Jesus is God speaking. In verse 18 of, of uh, Luke 4 that we just read, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. This doesn't mean that Jesus got some really cool spiritual education or some random link to the divine, that Jesus himself is God. God's spirit is all over Jesus the way that only God's spirit can be on himself, right? Jesus is God speaking. He is sent to proclaim good news to the poor. I love the word proclaim. It really means to, to preach <laughs> and to proclaim the good news is, is really in, in Greek is one word. And it's the word from where we get evangelism, evangelize. It's evangelion. It means good news. And one word, to proclaim the good news, is one word in Greek. It means to proclaim who God is and what he's doing to bring salvation to his people. So Jesus is God speaking. Jesus is, is showing up, proclaiming the good news of his kingdom, saying, God is here. God is doing great things. I love how Jesus actually reads Scripture to, to show this. That's just a little caveat that Jesus is like, hey, the Old Testament's important because it all, it all points to me. See, God has spoken through his prophets throughout the Old Testament in order to pave the way for Jesus to come and speak. Jesus is God speaking, and that is good news for us. And so I want to ask you today, when you try to connect to the Lord, when you try to connect to spiritual things, do you listen to the Lord? Because if, if you're like me, man, I, I, I struggled early on in my life and early on in my faith. I just wanted to, to hear a word from the Lord. I want to connect to God. And, and we do this often because we say, well, I, I want to expect something from Jesus. And, and maybe we'll pray. 
or maybe we'll get counsel from people, or maybe we'll try to do really good things in order to, to win God's favor, to, to maybe hear him, or you know, we say, all right, Lord, I'm going to try this thing, and, and then I want you to tell me if this is, should I take this job, or should I relate to this person in this way? Maybe you're dating somebody or, or, or whatever, or you say, uh, I, I want to go deeper in my faith, and often we fail to listen to God speaking. And Scripture shows us that Jesus himself is God speaking. And Jesus, as he is proclaiming the good news of God's coming kingdom, is, is busting out the Old Testament. So I'm big fans of Bible reading. If, I want us all to be big fans of Bible reading because through God's word he speaks. And as we see, Jesus himself is proclaiming this good news. Are you, are you listening to Jesus? Because Jesus is God speaking. But Jesus is also God acting, not like he's a thespian on the stage. Jesus is God in action. Jesus is doing things in history, in people's lives. Jesus is God in action, God acting. You see, we see here in verse 18 as Jesus comes to proclaim the good news, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Proclamation. Jesus speaking. But look at the second half of verse 18. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is what amazes me about the Gospels. This is what amazes me about Jesus. Is like He doesn't just come telling good news, but he comes actually doing action to point to this good news, to affirm the good news. Jesus actually came and did miracles, physical miracles. He, he took people who couldn't see and made them see again. He, he, he took people who couldn't walk and made them walk again. He, he actually took people who were dead and made them alive again. And these are very physical things that, that Jesus did, very miraculous physical things to attest to the good news of God's coming kingdom, to, to show who he is, to say, look, I am God. Only God can do this kind of a thing. And, and, and moreover, to say, these physical things are to show what's happening spiritually. I'm actually going to take blind, physical, physically blind and deaf people and make them see and hear, just like I'm going to take spiritually blind and deaf people and help them spiritually see and hear. I'm going to take physically dead people and bring them back to life, just like I take spiritually dead people and bring them back to life. This is also a foreshadowing of what God's kingdom will be like when he returns. Praise God. We'll talk more about that next week. When Jesus returns, this is what it's going to be like in his kingdom. You see, Jesus is not just a prophet telling the good news. He is God himself acting out this good news on our, for our good. It's a present reality that's a foretaste of future eternity. I mean, this is why Jesus came. You know, God, God, God could have maybe done some other... I mean, God had spoken through prophets and through his word for generations, but he sent his son Jesus to be God incarnate, speaking very directly. And God had used other figures throughout biblical history to do miraculous things here and there. But then Jesus came and is God himself doing these very physical, practical miracles of action of the good news to point to who he is and what he's doing. You see, it's great news for you and I to hear. And in fact, what I love about Luke 
as Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah, you have to, there's, I know we're like hopping all over the Bible, so I just want to give you something to do this week. Right? Read Mark, read Luke, read Isaiah. Because when Jesus reads the scroll of Isaiah in Luke 4, we have to see the whole context of Isaiah 61. You know, these miraculous healings and freedom always accompanies repentance. <laughs> like if you read in, in Isaiah 61, it's like you know, Jesus quotes this, and repentance comes along, and, and, and God does amazing things through repentance, to bring about repentance of his people, to turn from sin and godlessness, to turn toward God, and God restores and does amazing things. How about this, that Jesus is coming to set liberty to the captives, to bring freedom this had huge implications in the first century that I think you and I as Americans maybe don't really get. You see, God's people had experienced time and time again bondage. I mean, we've been in Deuteronomy for a while, so, so we've seen that God's people for a few generations were enslaved in Egypt, and God had set them free, right, very physically, and led them, led them to a land of promise, We see that after that, there were times when other nations would come and take over God's people and take over their land, and they would be in exile or in captivity. We see during the first century, during the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire had spread to take over that part of the world. So Rome had a very militant presence in Jerusalem during this time. And then here you get this guy, Jesus, coming and saying, hey, I'm God himself speaking. I am God acting, and I'm telling you and showing you that there is liberty at hand. There is freedom. You're no longer in bondage. You're no longer enslaved. You're no longer oppressed. If you follow me, if you belong to me, you are truly free. See, Jesus is also God speaking. He is God acting. Jesus is God dwelling with his people. Verses 19 says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is a reference to Leviticus 25. And the year of Jubilee, celebrating God's presence with his people, just the fact that God would come and dwell with his people just to be, be here and brings great joy. You see, for Jesus to say, this is being fulfilled in your hearing today, Jesus is saying, yeah, this God that speaks, that's me. This God that, that acts, that's me. This God that dwells and brings great joy to his people, that's me. It's being fulfilled today in your hearing. You see, nobody else can say that. <laughs> Only God can. That's why Jesus said it. And so here Jesus is saying, I am God speaking, I am God acting, I am God dwelling with my people. It is being fulfilled today in your hearing. With that, Jesus spends years proclaiming the good news, doing actions of miracles, feeding people, setting people free, healing blind, deaf, lame, bringing dead people back to life, which blows my mind. God acting, God dwelling. He's saying, I I am God incarnate. I am dwelling with you. And then with that, after a couple years of doing that, Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem and people say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus walks to the temple where God's, where God should be. That's, that's where God's people would meet with the Lord. And he walks to this empty, quiet temple alone because he's God. And it's, it's as if to say things are not as they should be. If there is a, a void, a rift between me and my people, I'm going to set this right. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm proclaiming it, I'm acting, I'm dwelling with my people, but I'm going to set this right once for all. And that's what we look forward to on Good Friday. That's what Jesus was showing us when he enters Jerusalem and goes to the temple. He just says, look, I'm, this week I'm going to set this right. <laughs> I'm going to fix this brokenness once for all. I mean, I've been showing, I've been proclaiming about this, I've been teaching about this, I've been showing people how I'm, I'm healer and king. I'm their God. And we're going to set this right. And what I love about this in Mark 11, verse 10, as the people are, are, are quoting Psalm 118, and they're saying, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David, you know, the first half of verse 9, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. You see, that reference to blessed is not just a reference to Jesus, the Messiah, but that state of blessedness is actually referring to the kingdom, to God's people. That right relationship full of grace and ultimate joy is found in following Christ. That's it. That's why the people really are singing Psalm 118. Because true blessing is found in following Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, what expectations do you have of Jesus as we enter Holy Week? Maybe your expectations are good, but they're short-sighted. Maybe you're here today saying, well, I expect Jesus to be a good teacher. That's why I'm here. I want to hear some good teaching. Okay, that's some of it, but there's so much more. Maybe you're here thinking, well, you know, I, I know that God, that the Jesus did some miraculous things to, to heal, and I'm in a desperate state where I need some healing, like physical healing, man. I, I'm, I'm sick. Uh, there's, there's some chronic illness looming over me. Maybe there's some spiritual illness riding away, and you're like, you know, I, I, I believe that Jesus can heal. That's why I'm here. I mean, I can give or take the teaching. I just need somebody to heal me, man. Or maybe you're like, I feel so disconnected from God and I've tried different spiritual avenues and moral avenues and religious traditions. I've tried to do the right things and be with the right people in order to feel some connection with God. I just don't feel a connection with God. I want to feel connected to God. And you've come here with that. If you're at any of those places, that's a good place to be. But I want us to move from, from good to, to blessed, to blessedness, to be in right relationship with God and with each other. And that happens only in Christ. That happens only when we say, wow, Jesus is God speaking. Jesus is God acting. Jesus is God dwelling with his people. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of God. I want to be in that kingdom. I want to experience true grace, true joy, both now and for all eternity. Friends, that's Jesus. And it's my hope and prayer for all of us as we celebrate this holy week that we will be continually stirred up with that good news, 
that Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he said he would do. And we are who he says we are in Christ. Blessed. So if you're here today and you are not a believer, I want you more than anything to know Jesus. Not just to know about him, not just to hear his teaching, not just to experience some religious... I want you to know Jesus Christ. And we want to help you with that. Come grab me or somebody you know and trust if you want to talk through what that means and the implications of what it means to belong to God in Christ. If you are a believer, I would ask that you join me in a time of response and repenting of sin. Uh, Sin is any time we fall short of God's standard. That can be a sin of committing some sin, but it also can be a sin of like omitting something, like not really trusting Jesus to be who he says he is, or not really loving God with your whole heart, or loving your neighbor as yourself. So I'm pretty much guilty of some sort of sin constantly. Come join me in some repentance, <laughs> because there's tons of grace here with Jesus. So if you are a believer, I ask that you spend this time to repent of sin and brokenness and turn to Jesus in belief and faith because in Christ we have ultimate joy, both now and for eternity. Um, Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a good and holy God. And Lord, I ask that we, uh, your people, would would get a glimpse of who you are, Jesus, uh, this week as we celebrate um, what we know as a holy week. God, we thank you that um, we have just a little time together today to worship through singing, through prayer, through scripture, and now through communion. Um, Lord, I pray that this is just a, a snapshot, God, that you would use today to propel us into a week of intense worship and repentance and belief and joy. Uh, Lord, that we would see you as God speaking and acting and dwelling with us as we search the scriptures that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to understand and receive the gospel that you would speak through your scriptures that you have inspired and preserved for our benefit today. And Lord, that we would encounter you in a fresh new way, that our faith would be a living, joyful faith and not some dead routine because it's Easter again. But God, that we would be awakened with great joy because of your grace to us. And God, for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray that this would be a a monumentally uh, amazing week where you would awaken dead hearts to beat with life, that you would awaken non-believers to become believers, that you would awaken those in captivity to be free in every way possible. God, we ask this in your holy name. Amen.